So I'm going back a long way to when I was in supply school in the Army. We did our eight weeks of basic training, then we went into supply school, which was like six weeks, something like that. And we spent six weeks doing mostly learning how to do paperwork. It was, I, I, it, it's, I, can't say, I, I can't say it was a blur. I just, I think it was boring. I, I really don't remember much about it. But here's one thing I do remember was after my six weeks, my graduation as a supply clerk, I was sent to a company where I never used anything I ever learned in supply school. <laughs> I don't think I ever used one of those same forms. I don't think we ever did any of the things we did. Uh, there's, there's two things we, we, we uh, find out, and I think this is not true just in supply school. I think a lot of college comes out the same way, where you get a degree in something and you come out and you start using it and you find out you're actually not using most of what you learned in the thing. There's something about the process. I guess, guess it's good for us. Uh, everything I learned in reality that I used was on-the-job training, and, and uh, um, learn as you go. And we're, we're talking about this role of elder. I think most of it's like that. We are going to look today at specifically instructions on how to be an elder, and they're important, and you got to take it. But until you start putting it into practice, I don't know how much of it really matters. Uh, one of the reasons we're doing this is because I think it's good for the body to know. Uh, it's good for the elders to know, but I think it's good for the body to know. And when we look at this, there are not a lot of passages in scripture that specifically instruct elders. It's more they are instructing everybody, and the elders work with that, but but there are a few passages that do specifically instruct elders, and I found a few. So today we're going to look at instructions to shepherd the flock, to guard the flock, to rule, uh, and to look at, we're going to look at uh, um, laying on of hands as it applies to both prayer and appointment to offices. Because I'm laying out of hands a little bit kind of a mysterious thing. But those are all things that the elders are specifically taught to do. And so even some of these passages we've looked at before on various times. First uh, Peter chapter 5, 1 to 3 is one of the best passages in the Bible on elders. And, and we've looked, like I said, we've looked at this before. I'm going to read it again here. First uh, Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Peter is talking as an elder to fellow elders. He says, Therefore, I urge elders among you, as your fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and of one who is a fellow partaker of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not with greed, but with eagerness, nor yet as domineering over those assigned to your care, but by proving to be examples to the flock. And, and he, this passage, as you read it, to me, uh, maybe I'm wrong, maybe you'll see something different in here. I see an awful lot more about attitude than about action. I see an awful lot more about the attitude of the elder than the actions of what the elder are to, to take. It does say shepherd the flock and exercise oversight. So it gives those two actions, but he's clearly more concerned with how elders act than what they do. And he gives us three sets of contrasts in there. Not under compassion, but voluntarily. Not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Not as lording it over your charge, but as an example. Okay, so first of all, not under compulsion, but voluntarily. Not because you have to or feel you have to. Uh, not. By the way, this is not just true for elders, but a lot of times in church this happens. 
And, and I want, to, want you to know that it's not a good thing when it happens. That you feel you have to do something because if you don't, it won't get done. And so even though you don't want to do it, you'll take on the burden and do it uh, because somebody's got to, you might as well be you. And I want to tell you, duty is a fine motivator, a sense of duty. It, it, it's good sometimes to have that sense of duty and do things out of duty. But if it's your only reason for doing something, I don't think you should do it. Too often, people reason that if they don't, no one will. Resentment builds, and it begins to show. And a church should not be manned by resentful people doing jobs they don't want to do. Here's, here's an amazing thing. First of all, no offense, you're not that important. You're, you're not the only one who can do it. Uh, second of all, God created a body. You saw how many people stood up when Lori asked everybody who's helping at Vacation Bible School? That's a perfect spiritual gift illustration. Not all are teachers. Not all are craftspeople. Not all are leading games. Not all are walking kids through the various rooms. Not all are sitting in the office taste-testing the goodies. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> God, God does this thing where he gifts and enables people to do the jobs that need to be done. And the jobs that he actually does want done, he actually provides people both, not only are they skilled to do it, but they like to do it. You know, I'm thinking way back, you know, currently we have Kurt and Julie who are doing our church cleaning, and I'm so grateful. Prior to that, we had people who would sign up, and one person, you'd sign up for the sanctuary for a month, or you'd sign up for the bathrooms for a month, or the kitchen for a month. Before that, you signed up for everything for a month. Okay? During those times... Every now and then, Joan and I would sign up for our, our month of doing it, and we had this system worked out. She did the bathrooms and the classrooms, and I did the sanctuary, because she really didn't want to do the sanctuary. Sanctuary didn't bother me. I really did not want to do bathrooms. She was fine doing bathrooms. Funny how that works. <laughs> and it's like, I'm going, how can anyone want to do bathrooms? <laughs> it's like, yuck. <laughs> I don't want, to, don't want to do that. And she was like, how can you do the sanctuary? It's so hard. I'm going, sanctuary? That's not hard. You know, little moving pews, little, you know, back, small mind, big or strong back. It works great. You know, it's, it's God gifts us and equips us to do the things that we need to be done, right? And the things that, that you... What you might do only under resentment. Somebody else is saying, I actually want to do that. I like doing those things. And the same thing that you can't imagine somebody liking to do, they do like to do. And I'm, I'm, I'm with Peggy. I look at all this stuff. I'm saying, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, but, but when I think of the patience and the time it took to do this, I'm going, no, no. <laughs> but, but I will say, let somebody else do it because I'm fine with other people doing it, right? God has designed and gifted the church to do things he wants done. And if it's something he wants done, there is someone to do it. And, and he says, so he says, not under compulsion, not with a sense of, of uh, I better do it because somebody's got to and nobody else is going to. Not, not that, but willingly, uh, voluntarily. Willingly, not by, for some reason I wrote down the Greek word and I don't know why. Echo, echousios. Don't know what, 
That's the Greek word. Anyway, it means willingly, not by obligation. And it's, but you know what's really interesting about this word that, that's translated willingly is you know where it's most often used is with the willing sins, <laughs> the sins we do willingly. And, and you think about the sin that you do consciously and intentionally, and I mean, you don't do those things because you're too good for that. But, but once upon a time when you were a stinking sinner, <laughs> and, and there's those sins that you knew they were wrong to do, but you just wanted to do them because you like them. That's the word for willing. Only in this case, it's willingly lead, <laughs> willingly be an elder. Uh, and so he's describing this way to do it. Uh, the, in, the, in this case, it's just, you know, it's, it's why do you want? Because I want to. Because it's the way I'm wired. It's what I want to do. It's what I like. We don't be an elder under compulsion or, or don't lead under compulsion. Shepherd the flock under compulsion, but voluntarily because it's what you're designed to do because you enjoy it. Uh, that Just, I want to. So that's the first one, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, willingly, wantingly. Second, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. And so sordid, there's a word. Sordid means what it sounds like it means. You hear the word sordid, you go, I don't know what it means, but it doesn't sound good, right? That's a good definition. Sordid, dirty, filthy, low right? Sorted motives. It, it seems to imply to any earthly motives for being in a position of godly leadership. If you want to be in, in leadership in a church for reasons other than serving God, because somehow it advances you in some way, it helps you make money, it helps you attain power, it, it gives you a sense that people respect you. If you, want, if you want those things and that's why you want it, those are sordid reasons. They are earthly reasons. If you do it because of what you can get out of it, that's a problem. Elders should not be that way, but eagerly because it's something you want to do. Third, not lording it over your charge, but as examples. Some people want the power, and they like to use it uh, when they have it. We're going to look in a few minutes at the example of Diotrephes in 3 John. You know, it's interesting that some people in the Bible we find are, are uh, named forever for doing wrong. And I'm going, Wow. Come on, can't we protect a, protect a little identity here? <laughs> you know, it's like it's like I'd love to call out. No, <laughs> uh, but but he does it, and this is a guy who wanted to lord it over, uh, not as an example, but he but he tells us lord it over your charge, not lording it over your charge, but as examples. And some people want the power; it, they want the, they want to be an elder because they they want the power, and once they have the position, they like to use the power. Okay, he says, not lording it over the people in your charge, but as examples. This person who wants to do that should not be a leader in God's church. You know, it, we, I talk about the difference between the cowboy and the, and the shepherd. The cowboy gets behind the flock and drives, or the herd, not the flock, that flock of cows. <laughs> cowboy gets behind the herd and he drives it, or he gets alongside it and he drives it, but the shepherd gets in front and leads it. Right, the shepherd gets in front and leads the flock. The shelter who is 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 to be a shepherd. The elders to be a shepherd who leads and does it by example. So that's the first thing we find is shepherd the flock with a proper attitude. And it's all about the attitude. Second is protect the flock. And we're going back to to Acts twenty. And we've we've been there before. We're coming back again to Acts chapter twenty. This is where Paul is heading back to Jerusalem. He doesn't want to take the time to go to Ephesus. So he goes to the, this town of Miletus down the coast and calls and asks the elders of Ephesus to come visit him. And he gives them 
these, these instructions, clear instructions in verses 28 through 31. Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three days, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And so first he says, protect. And then he says, uh, I'm sorry, first, first he says, be on guard. And second, he says, be, a, be on the alert. Two different ways. I think one is stronger than the other. Be, and, and he first he says, be on guard, not just for the flock, but be on guard for yourselves. Be on guard for yourselves and the flock. And, and, and I say for yourselves, look at verse 30. Uh, of this again. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Sometimes, sometimes we don't see what a person is really like until they're put in a position where that character is allowed to display itself. Uh, and until that happens, uh, it's hard to know for sure. There's a little verse in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 24 that I, I learned a long time ago with someone who was in a position before you found out this person shouldn't be in the position. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse uh, 24. This, and, and, and he is talking about elders in this passage. He starts talking about elders in verse 17, the elders who lead well. And he goes on and he's talking about elders as he goes through this. And he comes down to verse 24. The sins of some people are quite evident going before them to judgment. For others, their sins follow after. And you know, there are some people who they walk in and it doesn't take you very long to say, oh, that guy's a sinner. <laughs> you know, he broadcasts it. He's, he's stumbling or he's foul-mouthed or he's uh, wearing a shirt with something that you say, you need, can't wear that shirt in church, buddy. <laughs> you know, uh, there's, there's lots of things like that. Right? Some people broadcast their sin and it's quick to tell. Other people, it takes a little bit more time. And other people, it may take a long time. And you know them for quite a while before you find out, wow, I did not realize this about this person. Their sins follow after them. Sometimes uh, these people, you don't know what they're like until they're in that position. He says, watch out for yourselves. There's a really good verse in 1 Corinthians 10, it's 1 Corinthians 10, 12. If anyone thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. <laughs> I love that verse. Did I get the right one? Because sometimes, it, yeah, yeah. If anyone thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. Everybody can fall. In fact, the biggest problem is if you start thinking you can't fall. Because as soon as you start thinking you can't fall, you set yourself up to do what? To fall. Once upon a time, we didn't have, we do have, in case you're curious, a child protection policy at this church. And theoretically, sometimes someone slips through the cracks, but theoretically, everybody who was going to be working at VBS, for instance, 16 and over, has been through this policy. They give us an application, they get three references, we run a state patrol check on them, and then they're approved and on the list. We didn't used to have that policy. And, and if anybody asked me, why don't you have a policy? We don't need one here. 
We all know each other. It can't happen here. And then I went to a conference at the uh, at a, uh, the Iwana had a conference, and and I don't remember why I went to this one, but the guy this guy stood up and he spoke, and he says, "Here's why you need a child abuse prevention policy." He, he was from some small town, kind of Davenportish, from some church, kind of Trinity Bible Fellowship ish, right? And he says we didn't have a policy because we said it couldn't happen here. And so because we didn't have a policy, we set up a situation where it could happen here, and it did. And I came home, and I said to the elders, guys, we're starting a policy. (laughs) So we have not had it happen here, at least to my knowledge, uh, but we have a policy. Why? Because you prevent it. You watch out for yourselves. You protect yourselves. You do what you can to make sure it can't happen. You don't say, I can't fall. You say, I can fall. And so I am going to prevent that fall from happening. And so you take steps. It says, watch out for yourselves and for the flock. Don't think you can watch out for the flock if you're not watching out for yourselves, right? Galatians 6.3 is really similar. It says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. <laughs> I love that verse. <laughs> if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, and I, and I think that if anybody applies to everybody, <laughs> you know, if we start making the mistake and thinking we're somebody, any of us, all of us, we're, 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 we don't recognize how small we are. Big God, big universe. What was your phrase? Tiny human beings? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, who do we think we are? A case study. So let's go look at Diotrephes in, in 3 John. Just, just uh, before Revelation, you have 3 John, Jude, and Revelation. In case you're not sure where 3 John is, uh, I can give you a page number, but that usually didn't help. <laughs> 3 John one of the smallest little books in the New Testament. In 3 John, 3 John is a letter to one man in the church who's trying to do well about how to deal with another leader in the church who's not doing well. Okay, Starting at verse 9, I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, you hear that phrase, he loves to be first, does not accept what we say. Imagine telling the Apostle John, no. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Jesus. I think you're wrong. Whoa. <laughs> it's like, that, that just uh, starts to show a problem right there, doesn't it? But Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does, unjustly accusing us with malicious words, and not satisfied with this, he himself does not receive the brothers either, and forbids those who want to do so, and puts them out of the church. And and so we have this Diotrephes, who is a leader in the church, who is able to say no to the Apostle John, who is able to say to people he doesn't like, get out of here. He's a leader in the church. He loves to lord it. Why is this guy doing it? Because he loves to be first. Because he loves the power. He likes being the big man on campus. He, he, uh, he's immortalized for wanting control. He's immortalized as an example of a bad church leader. Right? Uh, he prevented good from happening. We don't know how he came into a position of leadership, but once he did, we know that he abused it. And, and you know, it says in 1 Timothy 3.1, if, if any man uh, desires a position of overseer, it is a good work that he desires to do. It's a good thing to desire that position. It is good if you want it for the right reasons. But if you want it so that you can be 
important, if you want it so you can be somebody, then there's something wrong with that. Diotrephes was that guy. But he, you know, chances are he didn't look like that guy. Chances are he looked pretty good until he got in power. And once he got in power, he started, he, he was a politician. He started working it to get what he wanted until he was the big dog and could do whatever he wanted. And, and it was about him, not about Jesus Christ. So watch out for yourselves, then watch out for the flock. He says, savage wolves will come in, not sparing the flock. Yeah, they will. Savage wolves come in. Uh, Their desire is not to protect the flock, but to steal the flock. That's what savage wolves do. They're not, they're not, they have no interest in in the flock. Their interest is in themselves. And for those of you who don't know, this happens. Okay, this this happens. It happens to, in every church. And if you say, "Well, I haven't seen it," that's because your elders are doing this. <laughs> uh, and 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 if you have seen it, it's like sorry that you had to be involved in that uh, because these things do happen. They want to draw away disciples after themselves. The elders' job is to be on guard, to be on the alert, to watch for these things and stop them when they happen, to stop them from happening to himself, to stop them from happening to anybody else. Uh, so, by the way, the savage wolves, what are they? People who come in teaching falsehoods or teaching things contrary. It can even be something contra- that some Christians believe, but it's contrary to, to what we believe. Uh, it's like if somebody be- uh, believes I'll use an example in case you don't know me. I'm a young earth creationist, right? I believe God created the world in six days, rested on the seventh day, took a little nap, didn't need to, just wanted to say, Steve, if you want to take a nap, you can. So, <laughs> Being a faithful Christian, I do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that's, what, that's what God did. Why do I believe that? Because what he said. Now, if you happen to believe differently, I'm not going to see you as an enemy for that. You're allowed to believe differently. You're not my enemy for that. But if you try to insist that we as a church change our beliefs to that, then you have become an enemy. You have become someone who is coming in and trying to change a belief we hold dear. And when I say that's what I believe, in case you don't know me, that's pretty. That's the position of this church, okay? Uh, and, and it is not subject to change. And so I, my, my response is, you can go to another church that agrees with you, and you can be happy there. Or you can sit here and quietly be unhappy when we talk about these things. But this is our doctrine, and we're not changing it. And so that, that would be an example. Uh, and, and what makes them savage wolves is not so much what they do, but their insistence on doing it and the way they go about doing it. And, and, and the job of the elder is to protect the church from those things and from those people. That, that, so we have shepherd. We have guard, be on the alert, protect the flock. Then we have that very icky word, rule. Okay, We're going to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. And this isn't exactly directed as an instruction to elders. We just see it, and it's important. Chapter 5, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. To rule is a hard word. I know that. But it's still the word the Bible uses, and will, and it's the right word. But I think when we look at it rightly, it's not so oppressive. 1 Timothy 5.17, the elders who, and this one says lead well instead of rule. The elders who lead well 
are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. So it says, uh, lead well here. The, the other Bible I was working with when I was working on this said, rule well. Uh, and, and so we have that. In case you don't know it, this is an elder rule church. You say, uh, I'm not sure what that means. Well, it's, it's, uh, if we rule like Diotrephes, the ominous sounding word is justified. <laughs> but if we rule as scripture is designed, designed it to be as God intends, then what we have is a well-run body. The opposite of this would be the book of Judges, where every man did what is right in his own eyes. And everybody felt justified in what they did, and we had a spiral downhill into chaos, is what you find in the book of Judges. So their job is to lead and govern the church. So why? There's a philosophy. You could call it a theology because it's scriptural. You could call it a philosophy because it's a way of looking at things. Why, Why we are elder rule versus congregation rule, okay? And it's it's... No offense, congregation is made up of a mixed bag, <laughs> right? The congregation is made up of a whole bunch of people. Uh, some, of, some of you have tremendous wisdom and experience, and some of you have been saved for a very short amount of time. Some of you have deep, strong theology, and some of you have never really actually had any theology training at all. Some of you have years of experience of reading scripture, and some of you have cracked it open once or twice. Everybody does not get an equal voice. That's the way God intends it to run. God has established this system with elders who have demonstrated maturity, theoretically. <laughs> I'm looking at John, who calls himself the what? <laughs> I still like psycho pastor better. But <laughs> uh, Social pastor? <laughs> there's, there's a lot of good words. None of them are correct. Yeah. God has designed it so that people with experience and maturity and depth, and I know all of our elders are sitting there going, oh, please don't look at me now, are the ones who make decisions for the church. The ones, theoretically, by, by this way, we are more attuned to what Scripture actually says and to what God actually leads us to do. The elders, according to, to the uh, qualifications we find in the Bible, are a group of proven and godly men. The congregation is working towards that goal. The elders would be those who have more achieved it. Leadership in the church is not to be by the will of people, even the, even the elders, is to be by the will of God. The elder's job is to discern that will. To rule is to lead the church according to God's will, or at least to attempt to do that. And, and, and I can vouch for this as one of the elders, because the pastor is one of the elders. We may not always hit the nail on the head, but we do always try. And, and, and being human beings, that may be the best we can do. Now, he adds something on there. He says, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. So those are also jobs of the elder, and that's why we say the pastor is an elder. That and, and where we find the words overlapping in other places. He's the teaching elder, the preaching elder, or they are the teaching and preaching elders. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of tacked on, but it's important to recognize that is an elder position. Okay. And then the fourth one is, is this laying on of hands thing. And this laying on of hands can be a little bit confusing, but since we're in 1 Timothy, let's look first at 1 Timothy 4. If you have your Bible open there, it should be pretty quick. Back one page for me. 
First Timothy 4, 1 to 4, Paul, again, he's not giving an instruction. He's actually giving instructions to Timothy, but he talks about what the elder board had done for him. First uh, Timothy 4, 14, Paul tells Timothy, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was granted you through words of prophecy and the laying out of hands by the council of elders. Now, it's just possible you have a Bible there that instead of saying council of elders, says the presbytery. You go, whoa, some Presbyterian must have snuck that in there. <laughs> Presbuteros is the Greek word translated elder. So when you hear Presbyterian, it's elders. If you wear bifocals, that's because you have presbyopia, elder vision. <laughs> so, it's, I'm not making that up. <laughs> I, I saw it, I thought, wow, I'm going to, and it's true, I've never forgotten that. I have no, many, no idea how many years it was since I saw it, but, but I just have kept it. So if it says, if, you, if yours says presbytery, it's saying the board of elders. That, that's, that's what it's saying. And uh, the elders laid hands on Timothy, presumably to commission him. And we have, and you go, yeah, we, we do that. Yes, we do. Because why? Because the Bible teaches us to do that kind of thing, to lay hands on people, presumably in prayer, and to commission them to do the work that God wants them to do. Uh, and, and exactly the full symbolism of laying on of hands, I don't know that I grasp. But it, it does at least some things. It shows a sharing of responsibility for the actions of the one the hands are laid on. Uh, it, it, uh, there's a verse again. He says, do not lay hands on anyone too quickly. I didn't write that one down. Verse 17, thank you. 517 says, um, no, it's not 517. 522, I did write it down. Do not lay hands upon anyone too quickly and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. And if your Bible is, is doing this job well, the word responsibility is in uh, italics, meaning it is a word provided to help it make sense. So if you take the word responsibility out, it quick, simply says, do not lay hands on anyone too quickly and thereby share the sins. And that's scary. I like the word responsibility. It's a little bit less scary than saying share the sins, but share responsibility for the sins. Those doing the commissioning share the responsibility for those that they commission to do the work. For, for, the, for the actions of those they do. So it is, it is a sharing of it. It is an endorsement of what they do. It is an approval and it is an appointment. And if you endorse or approve the wrong person, you share a responsibility for that. And that's, man, you know what it says? It says, don't do this because you like the person. Don't do this because you want to encourage the person. Do this because you believe the person is the right person for this job, that this is the person God has called to do this because uh, you're laying hands on him. And that's the first laying on of hands. And the second one is chapter 5 of James, and this is very clearly instructions to the elders, uh, although it's actually addressed to the person who calls the elders. James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? 
Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. A prayer of a righteous person, when it is brought about, can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain on the earth and produced its fruit. And interestingly, what's really interesting, is because I have this under the laying out of hands thing, it actually doesn't say lay hands on him. It just says pray for him. All I can tell you is I've never seen this done without laying hands on. <laughs> and I don't know if that's because we somehow symbolically added it or felt like we had to, but I've never seen this done without laying hands on the person that you're praying for in a situation like this. Uh, and, and so it's, uh, that's interesting. But you know where laying on of hands isn't mentioned? You want to know what is mentioned? In, in verse uh, 13, we have the word... Uh, Pray. In verse 14, we have the word pray. In verse 15, we have the word prayer. In verse 16, we have, uh, let's see, pray and prayer. In verse 17, we have the word prayed. And in verse 18, we have the word prayed again. Now, what do you think this is about? <laughs> prayer. Prayer. It's about prayer. Now, the laying out of hands, I'm not going to belittle. The, the anointing with oil, I'm not going to belittle. But this is about prayer. This is about prayer. And the elders are to pray for the congregation. The elders are to pray for the flock. Uh, they are to pray for the people of the church. And sometimes this is done with the laying on of hands. But, but it doesn't have to be. That's not the, the key thing here is not the laying on of hands. The key thing here is the prayer. So here's what we get when we look at these instructions to the elders. They are to shepherd the flock. They are to protect the flock. They are to govern the flock, and they are to pray for the flock. Right? That, that's, that's what we have. It makes sense. Someone in that position should do that kind of thing. We see that, and we go, okay, I get it. Aside from recognizing this information, what do you do with it? Say it again. I'll put it into action. Right? But, but if you say put into action, we're talking just to the elders. Right? Because they're the ones. The rest of you just suck it up. <laughs> no, that's, that's not why. Actually, you know, pre preaching messages, this whole series on elders, at least in part, is part of this protecting the flock. Yeah, you know, this, this, this is just a little aside. It's not where I meant to go, but, but uh, I believe the church needs to work on shared knowledge, not hidden knowledge. The church needs to, 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 to work on transparency, not hiding things. Uh, it's not like we want to teach some people this one thing and other people this other thing. You know? And when you get to the next level, then we'll, you know, as, ooh, for just $14.99. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, Aside from simply recognizing it, what should you do with it? My answer is pray for those who are praying for you. Uh, lift them up uh, because you want to know something about your shepherds is they're also sheep. And I don't mean that in an insulting way like they're just sheep. We are sheep. We feel like sheep, right? 
we don't feel like we're special, lifted up, exalted. If we, if we do, we've crossed the line. We're doing something wrong. Uh, we're privileged, but we're sheep, and we know how fragile we are. Uh, these instructions can be hard to follow. Pray for us to do the things we're supposed to do, that we can do the job we're supposed to do both for God and for you. Right? And by the way, men, if you aspire to the office of an overseer, it is a good work you desire to do. It is not wrong to want this office. In fact, there's some guys out here who I kind of hope want this office. <laughs> Not saying my job, <laughs> but but we have a lot of people qualified, becoming qualified, showing the character. It'd be nice to have them in the position. So just that's again, it's a little add-on, not part of the intended message, but but pray for us. We do our job well. Let's let's close in prayer. Father God, I do ask that you bless our elders, myself included, to have the wisdom and the courage and the discernment to do the job you've given us, to do it well, to be a blessing to this church in all these ways, uh, Father, to, to, that this church can be what it's supposed to be. I ask that you raise up more men to be elders here and to do that job. And Lord, I ask you to move everybody to pray for us uh, because we need it. I ask in Jesus' name.